Welcome to CT Church. This message was recorded during our Sunday service. We hope you enjoy this presentation. Good morning, everybody. I tell you, we're going to get through this series, Walking in the Word, I promise. So uh, I've got uh, a little bit longer sermon than normal. Oh. I might need, who, who'll give me an extra five minutes this morning? Five, 10, 15, 20, 20. Okay, I should be able to get through this thing. Well, to this morning, uh, we, we come to, now my wife's trying to tell me something. I would like to make an announcement. <laughs> it just came to me. I want to announce prayer training. If you would like to be a part of our prayer team, uh, Sunday, October 14th at 3 p.m. here in the sanctuary. That's next Sunday. All right, I'll try this again. Uh, Part four of Walking in the Word series. You know, down through the years, I've heard people say stuff like, uh, you know, I just can't get anything out of the Bible. I try to read it. It's just kind of boring. I never seem to get it. It doesn't make sense to me. If you have ever felt that way, then today you picked a great Sunday to be at church because we're going to spend some time today talking about how God, uh, how to let Him make the Bible literally come alive in your life. This series that we're in uh, is not really dealing with any particular stories per se from the Bible. This series is about the Bible itself and how it can make such a difference in our life. So this morning we're going to look at how God brings illumination to His Word, bringing light to the Word. How many of you would agree that brightness increases clarity. The more light you have, generally, the more you can see, correct? So what do we mean by this word illumination? We're talking about how the Holy Spirit reveals the meaning of His Word to us and how to apply it to our life. That's what illumination of God's Word is all about. And right before Jesus ascended back into heaven, He said that the Holy Spirit was coming to live in us and with us, and one of the Holy Spirit's important jobs is to illuminate the Bible and help us see and help us understand the things in God's Word that we might otherwise miss. You know, you can own a whole house full of Bibles, But unless you have accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior, and which is what allows the Holy Spirit to work in us, you're never going to get the full impact and the full message that God wants you to receive from His Word. You know, it's like when you buy toys at Christmas time for your kids or your grandkids or or maybe yourself. Sometimes you see on the box, batteries not included. I just hated it when I was a kid, and I'd get some new toy for Christmas. I'd be all excited, open that thing up, only to find out that the batteries weren't there, and we didn't have any. That was always kind of a letdown. Anybody else experience that other than me? You know, it's great, it's a toy, yes, but we don't have the power to make the thing do what it's supposed to do. Does anybody see where we're going with this illustration? You see, it's 
when God illuminates his word to us, it's like putting the batteries in the toy. It now has the power to do what it is intended to do. Here's a verse that kind of backs this up. Ephesians 1.7 says this, I ask the glorious Father and God of our Lord Jesus Christ to give you his spirit. The spirit will make you wise and let you understand what it means to know God. Those three really important words in that verse are those three words, it lets you understand. The Holy Spirit will make you wise and let you understand what it means to know God. That's, that's the power part of that verse. Those three words, let you understand, that's like the batteries included sticker on a toy. And my point is this, this book right here is absolutely supernatural. It's unlike any other book in the world. It's not only God speaking to us, but it's the only book where you can actually talk to the author right while you're reading it. That is what is called illumination. As you read the Bible, just say, Lord, if you don't understand something, say, Lord, what does this mean? How am I supposed to use this? How can it make a difference in my life? And that's when the Holy Spirit will just kind of whisper in your ear or put a thought in your mind and the light switch comes on all of a sudden and all, suddenly you, you understand and you see what it means in your life. That is illumination. Amen? Now here's an interesting verse we ought to look at. Ephesians 1, uh, 18 and 19 says this, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparable great power for us who believe. So I want to talk about a couple of things here. First, that phrase, the eyes of your heart. What is that? What, what is the eyes of your heart? You know, when you were physically born, you were hopefully born with five different senses, sight, hearing, taste, touch, and smell. And literally everything that you have ever learned in your life has come through five, you're going to miss out on some things. But when you were spiritually born, when you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you are spiritually born again, and God gives you a second set of senses, so to speak. He gives you spiritual ears to hear some things that you never heard before, and He gives you spiritual eyes, and all of a sudden you start to see things important about life that you didn't see before. And you even start to feel things that you, you didn't feel before. And these new spiritual senses are really what make up the eyes of your heart, so to speak. With the Holy Spirit alive and living in you, you are actually living in two different worlds simultaneously. Do you realize that this morning? You live in a physical world, which we can see and touch and experience with our natural eyes. But we also live in this spiritual world, which we cannot see without the supernatural eyes of our heart. Never going to see it. You know, one day, everything around you that you can see, feel, touch, smell, everything's going to crumble and disintegrate. Everything. 
This incredible building that we are privileged to gather in week after week, it's going to absolutely crumble away into a big pile of dust. And by the way, we will too. Big piles of dust. Granted, some piles will be a little bigger than other piles. Why is it? Because physical things aren't going to last. The spiritual world was here long before this physical world, and it's going to be here long after this physical world comes to a close. Only God, His Spirit, His people, and His kingdom are going to last forever. That's it. And so once you realize that, the spiritual world, it really become, starts to become more real than this physical world. It's just that you can't see the spiritual world unless God opens your eyes to see the things that you wouldn't normally see. Illumination. It's God's illumination that causes that light switch to come on. When you've been reading His Word, you, you know, you'll be reading something, maybe you've read it a hundred times, but one all of a sudden you're reading it and just bam, it's like, wow, I've never, I've never seen that before. Or, man, that was, that was just exactly what I needed today. That, kind of that aha moment. It really is a, is a very incredible feeling. And maybe you've never experienced that in your life before. Maybe when you read the Bible, it's, it's always just sort of like, you know, blah, 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 blah. You've read two, three, four pages. You get done and it's just like, what have I read? Blah, 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 blah. Have you ever experienced that? It reminds me, I have, a, I have one of my favorite Far Side cartoons. It was entitled, What Dogs Here? You see the, the master saying, okay, Ginger, I've had it. You stay out of the garbage. You understand, Ginger? You stay out of the garbage or else. That's what the master says. Here's what the dog hears. Blah, blah, Ginger. Blah, 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 Ginger. Blah, 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 Ginger. That's kind of how we exist with God until he opens our spiritual ears and our eyes. When the Holy Spirit starts to illuminate uh, bring illumination to your mind, you begin to actually hear God speaking to you as you read His Word, oftentimes. Maybe not every time, but I think I can safely say oftentimes. So I want to spend the rest of our time this morning talking about what actually happens when God opens our spiritual eyes. The first thing that happens is this, I, I see the solution to my problems. That's the first thing that happens to us. There's a great story. I'm going to share three different stories with you this morning as illustrations. In Genesis 21, it sheds some great light on this particular principle. It's the story of Abraham, Sarah, Hagar, Isaac, and Ishmael. Most of you know this story. God promised Abraham he was going to be the father of a great nation as numerous as the stars and that he was going to have a son. But now he is at the ripe old age of about 90 years old, and it hasn't happened yet. And it was, a, it was becoming a problem in his mind. It was becoming a bigger problem in his wife's mind, Sarah. She says, you're not kidding. It's, it's a problem. It's, this is a big problem. Because she was way up in years too. So Sarah herself, she comes up with plan B. How many have you ever have ever got tired of waiting on the Lord? You've been praying for something, it doesn't happen, and you come up with plan B. And plan B is always a turns out to be a lousy plan. 
She tells Abraham she's too old now to have a child. And so she says, you have permission to sleep with uh, our much younger maidservant, Hagar, and have a child. Now I'm just curious, how many of you wives today, in a hundred years, would you have ever come up with that plan? I'm just curious. So, old Abe, he's like 90 years old, he has this child with Hagar. We give him A for effort. It's incredible. But it wasn't Sarah's, I mean, but this was Sarah's plan. It wasn't God's plan, right? So Ishmael is born, and Abraham, it says Abraham thanks God for this promised child, but God was probably thinking, no, 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 this was not my plan. And then later, we know God does bring his plan to fruition, and Sarah, even in her extremely old age, gives birth to Isaac. And now there's a problem, because Sarah is now jealous of Ishmael. He's going to get all the inheritance, the oldest son. Now, this is a huge deal back then. You know, he's older. So Sarah forces Abraham to send Hagar and Ishmael to just go out and wander in the desert. Now, you know what that means? That means forcing them to go out in the desert and die. Let me pick up the story here in Genesis 21, 14. It says, early the next morning, Abraham took some food and a skin of water and gave them to Hagar. He set them on her shoulders and sent her off with the boy. She went on her way and wandered in the desert of Beersheba. When the water in the skin was gone, she put the boy under one of the bushes. Then she went off and sat down about a bow shot away, for she thought, I cannot watch the boy die. And as she sat there, she began to sob. Now, I will tell you, in my mind, this is one of the great rejection stories in the Bible. I would say second only to the Jewish people rejecting Jesus as the Messiah. This poor woman, she has been absolutely used in the most despicable kind of way and then sent off to die in the desert, none of it her blame or or her cause. And she sent off with her son to die. And Abraham and Sarah, they know what's going to happen when you take off into the desert with one little, you know, skin of water. But they were conveniently getting rid of a problem. Does that ring any bells today? I think, now this is gospel according to Doug, so you can take it or leave it. I think there's a great parallel in this story and modern day abortion. Someone makes a horrible choice, but then they make the innocent party pay for it. That's all I'll say about that. But as you read this story, is it any surprise to anyone that some really huge trouble is going to come out of this deal? So back to the story. Here's Hagar and Ishmael. They're out there in the desert, and they are literally about to thirst to death. You know, we say that, man, I'm, I'm thirsting to death, but they're literally there. And Hagar has to put Ishmael down and just walk away because she can't, she can't take just watching him die. That's how, they, how close they are to death at this point. So you pick up the story again in verse 19. It says, God heard the boy crying, and the angel of God called to Hagar from heaven and said to her, What is the matter, Hagar? 
Don't be afraid. God has heard the boy crying as he lies there. Lift the boy up and take him by the hand. I will make him into a great nation. And as we know, they do survive. Ishmael does become father of a great nation, which is the Arab nation. And now to this day, the Arab nation of Ishmael and the Israeli nation of Isaac, they're still killing each other every day, fighting over who is the rightful heir to that land. But here's the part that helps illuminate our principle that God shows us the solution to our problems if we'll allow Him. Verse 19 continues and said, Then God opened her eyes. Isn't that so, how many of you have read that a hundred times, but it never quite... God opened her eyes and she saw a well of water. So she went, filled the skin with water, and gave the boy a drink. Hagar had the solution to her problem right within her sight, but she couldn't see it until God opened her eyes and gave her that illumination. There are no doubt, there's no doubt someone here today, and you, you have a problem that seems to be so insurmountable, you just can't see any possible solution. But I want you to know the answer is right within your sight. All you need is for God to open your eyes and illuminate that answer. You're never going to see it on your own. You need the Holy Spirit to guide you and enlighten you, and He will allow you to see answers. Now here's the second thing that happens when God opens our eyes. I see the roadblocks in my life. When God opens our eyes, we not only see solutions to our problems, but we'll also see roadblocks that He has placed in our way. Another great story is found in Numbers 22 that sheds light on this principle. The story of a guy named Balaam. Anybody remember Balaam? Balaam was a prophet of God. He was a real man of God, but he made a bad choice at one point in his life. He made a choice to take a trip and lend some help to a king that actually wanted to destroy the Israelites, and God got a little, bit, a little angry with Balaam. The story picks up Numbers 22, verse 22. But God was angry that Balaam was going, so he sent the angel of the Lord to stand in the road to block his way. As, a as Balaam and two servants were riding along, Balaam's donkey saw the angel of the Lord standing in the road with a drawn sword in his hand. Now it's a little bit amazing. The donkey sees this, but Balaam doesn't. The donkey bolted off the road into a field, but Balaam beat it and turned it back onto the road. Then the angel of the Lord stood at a place where the road narrowed between two vineyard walls. When the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, it tried to squeeze by and crushed Balaam's foot against the wall. So Balaam beat the donkey again. Now there's a whole other sermon right there all about the fact that we always get hurt when we do something God doesn't want us to do. I just threw that in for free. That's a whole nother sermon. It goes on to say, Then the angel of the Lord moved further down the road and stood in a place too narrow for even the donkey to get by at all. This time, when the donkey saw the angel, it lay down under Balaam in a fit of rage. Balaam beat the animal again with his staff. Here's where it gets interesting. Then the Lord gave the donkey the ability to speak. 
What have I done that de deserves your beating me three times? It asked Balaam. You made me look like a fool, Balaam shouted. How many find it interesting that the dude just starts holding a conversation with his donkey like it's a, well, I'll tell you why. Balaam says, if I had a sword with me, I would kill you. Now, is this interesting or what? Balaam is upset over the fact that his donkey won't stay on the road, doesn't seem to be phased one bit by the fact that it's talking to him. And the second thing is, who would be dumb enough to kill a talking donkey? <laughs> Just like your ship has come in, dude. But the story says, but I am the same donkey you've ridden all your life, the donkey answered. Have I ever done anything like this before? No, Balaam admitted. So then in verse 31, we get the clincher here. Then the Lord opened Balaam's eyes, and he saw the angel of the Lord standing in the roadway with a drawn sword in his hand. Balaam bowed his head and fell face down on the ground. Balaam didn't see what the problem was until God opened his eyes. And people say the Bible is boring. We've got talking donkeys got a man holding a conversation with a donkey and the funny part the donkey is the one who's correct in the in the in the conversation now that's a weird story but there's a point that it's trying to make maybe you've had some plans in your life that aren't working out all that well and you go one way and you get blocked so you turn to go the other way you get blocked and you're just you're getting angry and upset with anybody and everybody because things aren't going the way you've got them planned out in your mind. You're upset with your uh, with your with your coworkers. You're upset with your spouse. You're upset with your kids. You you've started to kick the dog. I mean, things are just getting getting bad. But the whole problem is, the real problem is that you are not seeing the problem. That's the problem. And it's very possible that God is blocking this particular issue. He may very well be trying to keep you from making a real mistake in your life. I believe God loves us so much that oftentimes he'll say, look, I'm not going to let you go down this road no matter how much you fuss and get angry with me and everyone else. I love you too much to let you do this. Thank God for that. Now, here's the deal. Whenever your progress comes to a stop, you have two options. You can get angry and beat on the donkey, so to speak, or you can ask God to open your eyes to see what is really going on. When we choose to let God open our eyes, the solution to the problem always becomes clear to us. Here's the third thing that happens when God opens our eyes I find the defense for what is attacking me. Everybody at different points in their life feels like you're being attacked. You may feel attacked physically with a sickness at some point. Maybe attacked financially. Maybe attacked by someone you thought really loved you. Maybe you have been attacked by your own fears. Maybe attacked by bullies in school. Whoever experienced that? I'm a pretty big guy. When I was a freshman in high school, I was almost the same height. 
and we had gym with the sophomores. The freshmen and sophomores had gym together. And at the end of gym, when it came time to hit the showers, it seemed like there was a few of these sophomore boys, smaller than me, but they were bound and determined to let me know, you may be taller, but you're still a freshman. And they would get their towels wet and they'd start towel snapping. And I'm here to tell you right now, it put a whole new light on that phrase, turn the other cheek. I'm just telling you, it got vicious at times. But we've all been attacked in life, right? So the point is this. There are times when we all feel like we're under attack. We feel all alone. We don't feel like God is just anywhere in sight. We've all experienced that. But here's, here's another great story found in 2 Kings. A story about Elisha and the Arameans. In the Old Testament, this country... Aram, or Aram, depending on how you want to pronounce it, it was always attacking and going to war with Israel. But every time they would attack, God would tell Elisha all of their battle plans, and then Elisha would go and he would tell the king of Israel, and the result would be that the Arameans were just constantly getting their tails whipped in these attacks. You can imagine how infuriated the king of Aram was, and he thought there has to be a traitor among them that's giving this information to the army of Israel. So we pick up this story in verse 10 of 2 Kings chapter 6. The king of Aram became very upset over this. He called his officers together and demanded, which of you is the traitor? Who has been informing the king of Israel of my plans? It's not us, my lord, the king. One of the officers replied, Elisha, the prophet in Israel, tells the king of Israel, even the words you speak in the privacy of your bedroom. Go and find out where he is, the king commanded, so I can send troops to seize him. And the report came back, Elisha is at Dothan. So one night, the king of Aram sent a great army with many chariots and horses to surround the city. When the servant of the man of God got up early the next morning and went outside. There were troops, horses, and chariots everywhere. Oh, sir, what will we do now? The young man cried to Elisha. So this is Elisha's younger helper. Don't be afraid, Elisha told him, for there are more on our side than on theirs. Now this kid had to be thinking, well, are you crazy, man? There's hundreds out there and there's two of us. It goes on to say, then Elisha prayed, O Lord, open his eyes and let him see. The Lord opened the young man's eyes, and when he looked up, he saw that the hillside around Elisha was filled with horses and chariots of fire. Once God opened the servant's eyes, he was no longer afraid because fear goes away when God is near. That's, a, that's another sermon too. Now, here's the part that I think is pretty funny. Uh, I could have hung out with Elisha. I just like how he operated. The story says, as the Aramean army advanced toward him, Elisha prayed, O Lord, please make them blind. So the Lord struck them with blindness, as Elisha had asked. Then Elisha went out and told them, You have come the wrong way. This isn't the right city. Follow me. I'll take you to the man you're looking for. And he led them right into the city of Samaria, right to the king of Israel and the Israeli army. 
As soon as they had entered Samaria, Elisha prayed, O Lord, now open their eyes and let them see. So the Lord opened their eyes and they discovered they were in the middle of Samaria, surrounded by the army of Israel. When the king of Israel saw them, he shouted to Elisha, My father, should I kill them? Should I kill them? Of course not, Elisha replied. Do we kill prisoners of war? Give them food and drink and send them home to their master. I think he knew that would tear that king up even more, you know. So the king made a great feast for them and sent them home to their master. After that, the Aramean raiders stayed away from the land of Israel. Now there's another whole sermon right there. The easiest way to get rid of an enemy is to turn him into a friend. You're getting all these sermons for free today. The point is this, when we get attacked at times, our natural response is usually to panic or get angry or to get fearful, to turn inward, feel sorry for ourselves, when what we actually need to do is turn to God and simply ask Him, open my eyes, God, and let me see how you're going to defend me. You know, I don't know what all you've gone through in, in your life. I, I don't know what you may have lost. You may have lost a loved one. You may have lost your health, maybe a job, a relationship. And, and you just sort of feel like you've been fighting this thing by yourself. You need to know that God has been with you every step of the way. You haven't been alone. It's just that for some reason, you've not been able to see God. You need some illumination in your life. And as soon as God opens your eyes, it's just like, boom. You can see solutions to your problems. You can see roadblocks that have been placed in your way. And you can see the protection that God has for you in your life. Everything becomes so much clearer. So the big question becomes this. How do I get this kind of illumination in my life? That's what we want to know, right? Because all these benefits sound incredible, don't they? I'm glad you're so excited about that this morning. How do I get this kind of illumination in my life? I'm going to wrap this thing up this morning by giving you five simple things that you need so that God can open your eyes. The first one is, is a no-brainer. Begin with a relationship with Jesus. That's where it all starts. None of, nothing else is going to happen until you have established a relationship with Jesus. It's the starting point. Without a relationship with Jesus, you are spiritually blind and you're going to stay that way. It's not enough just to know about Jesus. You have to actually know Him. Satan knows Jesus. I mean, like the back of his hand, he knows Him. Doesn't mean he's saved or has been had his eyes illuminated. Does exactly the opposite. He knows all about him. He just doesn't really know him. And the same holds true for us. We have to be born again. We have to ask for forgiveness for our sins. And until you have that right relationship with Jesus, you are going to be spiritually blind and you're only going to be able to see things from a human perspective. And let me tell you, it's incredibly limited. 1 Corinthians 2.14 says, The person without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, but considers them foolishness. Why is the world in such a ridiculous mess? Because they consider the things of God foolishness. 
and cannot understand them because they are discerned only through the Spirit. That's why it is senseless for us to ever expect unbelievers to act like believers because they're never going to get it. None of this is ever going to make sense of it. We have seen this played out over the last couple of weeks like crazy, right? Just ridiculous, ridiculous human behavior. Second, I think you know what I'm talking about. I'll leave it at that. Second Corinthians 4, 4 says, The devil who rules this world has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that, so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ who is the image of of God. In other words, none of us are ever going to get it until we receive Jesus. Jesus said in John 3, 3, very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. So that's step one. If you haven't done that in just a few minutes, you're going to have that opportunity. The second thing we need to do is ask God in faith to open our eyes. Psalms 119.18 says, Open my eyes that I may, may see wonderful things in your laws. So why is this verse so important? It's, it's like the first thing we ought to do that we ought to pray every day when we begin to read his word. Remember, you got to have those batteries installed. Or it's not going to do what it's supposed to do. The Bible is completely full of these wonderful truths and, and information, but we don't, when we don't see them, it's not the Bible's fault. When we don't see them, it's not even God's fault. When we don't see them, it's our fault because we're blind to it. We have to ask God continually, daily, keep my eyes open to your word, Lord. Thirdly, we have to come with a humble attitude. If our attitude is, you know, I've got this thing all figured out. I don't need anybody else's help. Uh, you know, I don't need any help on this marriage issue. I don't need any help on this financial issue or job issue or whatever it is. Then I can tell you the Bible is probably not going to help you because you have got your eyes closed. I'm just saying. The fourth thing, cleanse your heart of sin and conflict. God can't open our eyes when our heart is filled with junk. That's why Jesus said, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will, what? See God. Now, pure doesn't mean perfect. If God only brought light to those of us who were perfect, we'd all be in the dark, right? None of us are perfect. So pure cannot mean perfection it means that we are seeking God's forgiveness. We're working to rid our lives of impurities and we're striving to serve and live for Him. But if we're busy filling our minds with junk, resentment, trashy movies, trashy TV shows, pornography, lust, bitterness, resentment, anger, jealousy, all of these things, if our heart's filled with that, God can't open our eyes because all of those things put blinders on us. We also, it says, we have to get rid of the conflict. John said, but anyone who hates a brother or sister is in the darkness and walks around in the darkness. They don't know where they're going because the darkness has blinded them. Conflict robs you of light and it keeps you in the darkness. So in other words, if I'm not in right relationship with people, I'm not going to get much out of God's word. 
If we just got done yelling at our spouse or yelling at our kids or kicking the dog and we sit down to read the Bible and say, okay, God, I just want you to show me something. Don't hold your breath waiting for God to show you something. We have to get right with people. That doesn't mean they're going to get right with us. We have no control over that. But we can make a phone call. We can write a letter, send an email, message somebody. But stop holding grudges and ask people for forgiveness so that God can begin to open your eyes to the things that He really wants you to see. The things that are really important to see. So begin a relationship with Jesus. Ask Him to open your eyes. Be humble. Cleanse your heart and your mind. And finally, the fifth thing, commit to doing what God says. Sit down with your Bible and say, God, I need you to teach me. I need you to show me what to do this week with, with my kids, my wife, my friends, my boss, my coworkers. I need for you to show me what to do, and I promise I'll do it. I'm telling you in advance, Lord, that even if I don't fully uh, agree or understand with your, your, your instruction, and don't understand the motive behind it, if you will open my eyes and speak into my heart, I will do it. That's the bottom line. Reading God's Word is good, but it's not good enough. It's not the bottom line. The bottom line is doing it. Amen? You have been listening to CT Church in San Antonio, Texas. This recording was presented in the context of our Sunday service. For more information, please visit us at ctagsa.com, connect with us on Facebook, or call us at 210-657-3578.